everydayfeminism.com June 6, 2014 Laura Cassia The truth behind late-term abortion Due to much political and cultural misinformation around later-term abortion there remains a lot of fear, stigma, and confusion around what they actually are and who gets them Many people who identify as pro-choice like myself politician in particular I'm a pro-choice person, but um, they're talking about other types of people are pro-choice, so I wanted to clarify that. Let me take it from the top. I'm I'm just saying I'm pro-choice, as you know, I already know. But they're talking about other pro-choice people, and I'm about to leave so it's going to make sense of what I just said. Many people who identify as pro-choice, top politicians in particular, are also ready to distance themselves from late-time abortions some altogether disagreeing on their legality. That doesn't include me. That's not my view um, of pro-choice. That doesn't factor to my being pro-choice, by the way. In a recent Gallup poll, only 14% of respondents said they believe that third trimester abortion should be legal, with only 27% saying that second trimester abortions should be legal. And yet, 61% believe that first trimester abortion should be legal. When the Roe versus Wade decision legalized abortion in the U.S. in 1973, it held that states may still place restrictions on gestational age, which is to say the age of the pregnancy, and restrict to have their own. There are currently 41 states with gestational limits. State and federal laws regulating abortion seem constantly in the public and, and political eye. A current example is the Pain Hateful Unborn Child Protection Act, a congressional bill that would ban abortions after 20 weeks on a national level. Partial birth abortion is a term referring to a particular procedure that was being used only rarely for abortions over 16 weeks was banned in 2008 by the Bush administration. The term created by the National Right to Life Committee is not a medical term, has been used primarily in political discourse, effectively perpetuating the misconception and stigma around late-term abortions and increasing the likelihood that legislators could pass similar restrictions in their own states. The chipping away of abortion access is a real threat, and we see it at its strongest in the regulation of late-term abortion, where anti-choice legislators have a much easier time convincing the public to place limits much easier than to ban abortion outright. The way late-term abortions are spoken about in political discourse in the media seems often from a place of deep fear and confusion. But what do we actually know about late-term abortion? What is a late-term abortion? Late-term abortions tend to refer to those performed at or after 24 weeks. Although increasingly it has been used to refer to earlier procedures, those performed after just 20 weeks. Despite public misconceptions, abortions performed after 20 weeks only make up about 1% of total abortions. The vast majority are within the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, also called the first trimester. Late-term abortions are usually much more expensive than earlier terminations. With the prices often going up in the tens of thousands and lack of health insurance coverage, 
the cost of this procedure for a major barrier to access, particularly for low-income women. Due to state regulations around late-time abortions and the resulting cross-state and cross-country traveling that is required to access them, obtaining a late-time abortion is made even more difficult financially, physically, and emotionally. Why do people get late-time abortions? There are all kinds of assumptions made about those who have late-time abortions with myths of laziness, apathy, and cruelty creating a stigma. And the stigma is detrimental to those who need these procedures. But what are the reasons people have for actually getting late-term abortions? First, I tell you what they're not. Late-term abortions are not used as birth control, despite this illogical cultural myth that they are. Because really, I'll just travel to Germantown, Maryland, and spend three days and $10,000 there every time I want to take birth control. It's that easy. Late-term abortions are not easy. First and second trimester abortions might be for those with the support and resources. But late-term abortions, unfortunately, are. The endless barriers and challenges make them, make them difficult, complex and expensive procedures, thanks in part to a culture that wishes they did not exist. Many late-term abortions occur for wanted pregnancies due to either fetal anomalies or risks to the health of the, pa of the patient a pregnancy that's otherwise wanted slash planned may be terminated. These pregnancies make up a large portion of those who have the procedure. These are often extremely difficult experiences. People typically find out about birth defects around 20 weeks and those faced with this possibility must make difficult decisions as they consider the quality of life for their family. These abortions can feel like incredible losses for people and the stigma surrounds the procedure as well as the financial and geographical barriers make it all the more painful. Some patients don't know they're pregnant. This can sound like the stuff of reality shows, but it's actually not uncommon. For many people, no, no symptoms of pregnancy are experienced, so it can take a while to learn that they're pregnant. Sometimes it's because they want birth control, don't get normal periods. Sometimes they're dealing with other physical problems and don't notice the signs. For others, there could be an element of denial. If I don't act on this, it'll just go away. Terrified to tell their parents and deal with the pregnancy, many young people who become pregnant fall into this category. This state of denial can also come from a paralysis of coping mechanisms, which is often experienced by those who have been victims of past trauma. There are many patients who cannot afford their abortion early in the pregnancy and end up, quote unquote, chasing the price. Once the procedure goes past 12 weeks, the price often goes up hundreds by the week. And this can leave many struggling to get the money as each week the price goes up even higher. There are many reasons why people get late-term abortions and the reactions and emotional responses from patients are complex and also particularly difficult. And yet the way late-term abortions are discussed in the media largely ignore the actual stories of those who need them. Humanizing those who seek these procedures is crucially important and is an integral part of understanding the procedure and working for greater access. Who is performing them? While anti-abortion clinic harassment and violence affects every abortion clinic, clinics and doctors who perform late-term abortions are frequent targets, often experiencing the most devastating violence. For years leading up to the tragic assassination of late-term abortion provider Dr. George Tiller in 2010, Anti-choice extremists engaged in constant scare tactics aimed at 
Dr. Tiller in his clinic in Kansas. His murder only added fuel to the fire of fear experienced by late-term abortion providers perpetuated by anti-choice activists and a culture that supports them. The sadness that surrounded Dr. Tiller's murder was made worse by the fact that the world had lost not only a great man, but also one of the last remaining late-term abortion doctors. There remain today only four doctors left in the U.S. to perform third trimester abortion. That's three clinics mean that when a person is late-term abortion, they only have three places to go in the entire country. These brave people are Dr. Hearn in Colorado, Dr. Carhart in Maryland, and Dr. Boyd and Dr. Robson in New Mexico. There's no question these doctors are heroes. To get a better understanding of the daily experiences of these doctors and their patients amidst our country's anti-abortion extremism, watch this truly moving, moving documentary after Tiller. The, the documentary shows how Four doctors continue to perform late-term abortions in the face of constant bullying and intimidation at their homes and clinics and miss a culture that at best does not support them and at worst despises them. Dr. Leroy Carhart, a doctor based just outside Washington, D.C., has experienced more than his share and seems to have replaced Dr. Tiller as the main target of anti-choice groups like Operation Rescue, with websites like Kick Out Carhartt and images of him posted all over the internet, as well as on the signs of protesters who stand daily outside of his clinic. And they'll do anything they can to get him to stop providing abortions from protesting in middle school, where the child of Carhartt's landlord attends class, to handing out flyers to his neighbors, labeling him a quote-unquote murderer. In 1991, his Nebraska farm was burned down killing his dog, cat, and 17 horses. Anti-abortion clinic violence in this country is so insidious and horrific that it truly warrants another article entirely. But the point I'm hoping to make here is that we all talk about clinic violence and how horrible it is, but we, but we forget that late-term abortion providers experience the worst of it. Without our support and defense, it will continue to happen. Beyond the terror it causes the patients and doctors experiencing it, this violence and intimidation has also served to scare doctors out of performing late-term abortions altogether. What's scary is that with only four providers left, all of them over 60, we need new brave doctors to take their place, to stand up to the political stigma, the hatred, and the bullying. For the sake of our health and bodily autonomy, we need access to late-term abortions. Dr. Carhart speaks of the reason he continues to perform late-term abortions in documentary saying, if I just give up and stop doing abortions after 20 weeks, some women may get desperate to do things on their own. This is something that needs to be done. What can I do? Listening to congressmen argue about quote-unquote fetal pain and partial birth, birth abortions in quotations can understandably lead a confused public into a space of misunderstanding outright disgust over the existence and ongoing need for late-term abortions. Emotions run high over this issue, particularly when fake images of babies and words like quote-unquote partial birth and quote-unquote viability are used alongside it. One of the best ways we can counteract the misinformation around the procedure is by creating spaces for those who have had later-term abortions to tell their stories. There are limited stories and spaces online. 
We need to find ways to create accessible spaces for storytelling as we work to create a larger cultural space that humanizes and supports those who have late-term abortions. We can help build a culture of support. Educate yourself and others. Learn more about the complexity of late-term abortion stories and what patients and doctors experience. It's important to help in our quest for understanding to pay attention to the language used, what words are meant to trigger strong emotional responses, as well as to the medical inaccuracies and misogyny inherent in the discourse. It's possible that you yourself are still having a difficult time coming to understand and accept the need for late-term abortions. Challenge yourself to learn more about it. Explore what it, what it, it is that makes you feel this way and ask others about their feelings on the issue. Often it comes from a lack of understanding of what drives people to need them. And the more we truly understand late-term abortions, the easier it becomes to support comprehensive, unrestricted, and safe access. Educate your community or encourage those in your town slash city slash campus who have had a late-term abortion to tell their story. Organize a screening of after telling your community to get the conversation started. There aren't enough people advocating around this issue. It's important to take the knowledge we have, use our voices to affect political change. We can shed light on how gestational restrictions affect everyone who needs abortions regardless of trimester. Placing any kind of restriction on abortion leads us in the wrong direction. It gives power to anti-choice activists and legislators, making it easier for more abortion restrictions to be passed in the future. As members of the pro-choice movement, we should be standing up against any legal limitations on abortion and standing with those who need late-term abortions. They are complex and necessary. They save lives. They are an integral part of our fight for comprehensive health care and reproductive justice. For more information on your own state's policies on late-term abortion, check out this recent brief by the Gut Matron Institute. Laura Cassie is a contributing writer for Everyday Feminism, the feminist activist, social justice organizer, clinic escort, and yogi living in Washington, D.C. Laura Connor coordinates the Washington Area Clinic Defense Task Force teaches yoga with the intent of making it accessible to all and does outreach for DC-based sex worker support organization HIPS. When she isn't on her mat or at the clinic, she's usually thinking about zombies, playing violin, eating Lebanese food, and wishing she had a cat. Follow her on Twitter at feminist underscore oris, O-R-Y-X, oryx, either or whatever they please. Wow, so here's how I feel. This is very, very simple for me to some extent. Um, I support the provision of late-term abortion. Um, I think there should be countless doctors in America and all over the world who perform third trimester abortions. Um, the anti-abortion extremists need to be legally prosecuted and the anti-abortion clinic harassment and violence needs criminal charges filed against those who commit them. Um, I dare say that I think, I think that try, I think that third trimester abortion should be legal. I think that second trimester abortion should be legal. 
And I think that first trimester board should be legal. One more time. I think that third trimester abortion should be legal. I think that second trimester abortion should be legal. And I think that first trimester abortion should be legal. And um, lacking health insurance coverage, America should stop that. All over the world, that should be stopped. We should have plenty of health insurance coverage for all, especially for low-income females. Um, the fetal anomalies or the risk of the health of the patient, I can understand those. I can I understand those reasons for terminated pregnancy, and that's okay. Anti-abortion clinic violence in this country is everywhere. Truly inhumane and insane. Um, abort late-term abortion providers and non-late-term abortion providers should all be protected. Extremely protected. And um, I support people who have late-term abortions. I support people who have their trimester abortions, second trimester abortions, and first trimester abortions. Um, I'm thankful for Dr. Tiller and the other late-term abortion providers. And people should get abortions because it's the best situation for them. Circumstantially. That's what I'm saying. So what happened to Leroy Carhart in terms of the Talking and shooting, causing mayhem to his farm, and putting Carhartt's landlord's kids in harm's way, and slandering his character, defaming his character. And Causing him to be unsafe in the environment that he's in is just atrocious and wit and wicked and cruel. It really is. And I think the Hyde Amendment should provide federal funding for abortion services, especially for low-income females. So that's where I, I stand and um,
Thank you for understanding.